Welcome back to another special episode of Epic Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce, and I'm joined on the line by Lux. Lux. And I think I'm honestly doing good right now. The weather's been kind of the same. Uh, it's like the dead of summer right now, so right, like it's not likely to change yeah. much for a couple more, at least a couple more months. I would say for you, like, when do you think when does the cool, te- cooler weather come back for you? Like October sort of idea. You're muted right now, Lux. Lux, you muted yourself. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, Lux just muted himself. I'm not sure why, but uh, anyway, um, but yeah. No, uh, over here, up here in, uh, in in Ontario, things are hot, things are sunny. Uh, we had we just you know had a very cool stretch of summer, which is a little surprising come uh, the month of July. So anyway, but uh, I don't know. We got a big show today. We got a big show because uh, we had a little banned restricted announcement. And, uh, I, I I don't know about you, people be pissed. There's a whole lot of pissed people about that one. We're going to talk about that, but hold on, folks. I got to get Lux back. Lux, are you back with your, with your, um, with your mute? Yeah, sorry. And I had someone come into my room real quick. Oh, no, not cool. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, no, when does the cool weather come back for you down, down there in Texas? Are we talking like October or does this generally stay hot? And it's usually in uh, late September, early October. Okay. And then you, you you start cooling off, like like I mean, like here by like the time Canadian Thanksgiving rolls around, which is the first weekend in October, like it's cold, like like it's it's outright cold by then. Like I've definitely gone out, you know, to dinner or to you know out with the kids wearing like. You know, you're, you're starting to wear your mittens or your hat and a coat, and it's cold. So, um, I mean, not snowy cold, but, like, it's cold enough that you're not comfortable walking around in shirt sleeves and, and a pair of, pair, pair of slacks. So, um, anyway, uh, like I was telling the folks there, Lux, we got a big one today because uh, we're going to cover the ban restricted announcement. But we also got some of our usual suspects. We got some, uh, some garbage or great. We've got some... Uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms stuff to talk about. My dog is chewing on a cardboard box under my desk. You can stop any time now, dog. <laughs> you know what, dog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at you. you. You are on air, and I am chastising you for the audience. So could you stop eating the box? Hey, hey, you stop eating the box. Eat that instead. It's a sweater. Chew that. You silly cat. Ugh. All right, um, but yeah, so we got some cards from uh, from the uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, and we got a deck, like always. I mean, it wouldn't be a show here without a deck, right there, Lux? Yep. be pretty boring. Um, but all right, so let's get down to some housekeeping first. All right, so folks, like every week, if you like what you hear on the podcast, be feel, be, feel free to come and check us out at thelotuscouncil.com. That is our home on the internet. So you can come check it out, uh, and you can find the, any uh, every episode of the podcast. You can find other cool content from the Lotus Council. Uh, there was some giveaway stuff over the weekend, box breaks. There's 
uh, gameplay, sometimes streams, all sorts of cool stuff. But the best part is the Discord, folks. Can't stress it enough. Lively, friendly, happening Discord with tons of people who love to talk EDH, love to talk MTG. So come on in. Tell, tell them Lux and Bruce sent you. And, and, and the best part is it is free. It is free. So come and check it out. It won't cost you a one red cent. And it's going to make your, just, you know, you're going to see. I think you're going to like it. You're going to be a lot of, there's a lot of good people talking a lot about magic and a lot of really supportive communities. So come and check out thelotuscouncil.com for all things Magic the Gathering and uh, all the cool stuff is going on over there at the council. Uh, also, folks, uh, I, I got some bad news with our respect to our giveaway. Uh, we had n- n- no one enter. Ooh, yikes. Oh, yikes. <clears throat> um, um, um. So here's the good news, folks. We're going to put that pack of Modern Horizons 2, and we're going to put it in the vault, and we're going to give it away next time. Uh, so when we get to 80 episodes, uh, we are going to absolutely give it away along with uh, something else. I don't know what, but we'll figure that out when the time comes. But, um, yeah, we don't have a winner to give away our stuff to this time, and it's a little disappointing. All right. I'm just going to do one last double check. Maybe there was somebody. Somebody. And no. No can do. All right. So it's going to go in the vault. Save it for later. Save it for another day. And we will give it away another time. Fair enough, Lux. Yep. All right. So, segment one, folks, we're going to start with garbage or great. Garbage or great tonight, we have, have uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, so, it was originally printed in Mystery Boosters, but it also shows up in Shards of Alara. And it is the Knight of the Skyward Eye, which is one and a white for a 2-2 human knight. Then for three and a green, Knight of the Skyward Eye gets plus three, plus three until end of turn. Activate only once each turn. So, what do you think, Lux? What do you think? Knight of the Skyward Eye. Honestly, nothing. I'm kind of on the fence about this one. It's not exactly great, but it's also not garbage either. Well, okay. You're right. It's not true garbage because you could make a case if you're playing like a green-white aggressive deck, you want some two drops, a whole bunch of two drops. And this one does scale in the later stages of the game to make itself not be a two-two and turns into a five-five, which that that, that tussles pretty well. Uh, and so, I mean, there's that I kind of like. Uh, I also like the fact that. One of the things that we've seen in the format is that the regular, the relative curve of decks has gone down. So things are coming at you faster and sooner than they used to. Well, sometimes you just got to get something down on the board and as a blocker to get that early, to take it, take, sort of blunt some of that early aggression. And while this card is not awesome, at least if you draw it on turn seven or eight, you could then use it with its pump ability to, you know, maybe tussle with a bigger creature or something. So 
it's not true unmitigated garbage the way we had last week. But let's be real. Are you excited to run this sort of card in your deck? I mean, honestly, they, I would run it in some decks, and like only certain decks, but I wouldn't. Yeah, no, like, okay, I'm looking at, I'm pulling up other, like, look at other comparable two-drop creatures in the format. I think that's sort of the key. Um, we're going to look at other two-drop creatures. Oh, there it is. So, other two-drop creatures. So, like, if you're looking to play a two-drop like this, all right, Lux, you want, it, it needs to have a fairly sizable impact on the board. Because, I mean, in most cases, Knight of the Skyward Eye is a grizzly bear. Would you agree? Yep. Like, in most cases, this is a grizzly bear. So, let's see about other two-mana spells you could cast. Even, like, let's, let's focus on white. White or green, I suppose. Um, so, white or green. So, Secure a Tribe Elder is the, is the first green two-drop we run into. Would you run Secure a Tribe Elder or Steve, or would you run this? I'm running and, Steve. How about you? Yeah, they, I'd run Steve, too. Okay. Dranith Magistrate. I'm taking the magistrate. Add ability yep. to make sure things. Uh, take that. All right, let's keep going. Um, forget Thoracle because it sucks. Well, it doesn't suck. I don't like it, but anyway, it's very powerful. Um, two drop Lotus Cobra. Green two drop. Would you run Lotus Cobra or this guy? And I would definitely run Lotus Cobra. Yeah, Lotus Cobra wins every time. Let's see what else we got. Another two drop, two drop. Priest of Titania. One in a green, one one elf druid, tap, add green to your mana pool for each elf on the battlefield. Well, if you're in an elf deck, you're playing Priest of Titania, right? All day. Yep. All right, let's see. What else we got here? Custody Spinner. And honestly, I would run anything besides this card. Yeah, so this is the problem. So, like, if, if you can go through and list, like, that many two drops that are ahead of this, you're not playing this card in almost in 99% of your decks. Sure, that might fit into if you're playing human human tribal, like night tribal, you know, and, and playing green-white. I don't know what night that would be, but I maybe you want to do it. But let's be real. Not a card that is particularly enticing. So I'm coming down outside... This is garbage. It's, it's too low impact. You're not playing it. You're going to put in yeah. any of the, a number of yeah. other cards ahead of this. Agreed? Yeah. Yep. Like, cause like, I know, yeah, like, I know it kind of beefs itself up a little bit, but like it really has to wow me if it wants to earn a seat at Netherroy's table. Yeah, like it just doesn't do enough. And, like, and how many turns are you going to have four green mana, or, or sorry, four mana open to pump this to turn into a 5-5? Five, five? I can't often. think of too many. Exactly, I can't think of too many games where I got four mana just sitting open, like yeah, I'm gonna pump my knight to the skyward. At no, no, that's not what I want to do. I if I got four mana open, it's because I got something better in my hand I want to do. 
Yeah, besides, and like there are other cards that can that cost less that can just easily beef this up even more. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's garbage. Like, like folks, it's garbage. All right. Yep. All right, moving on. All right, so we're talking about the band restricted announcement. So the biggest piece of the band restricted announcement was very simply, Hull Breacher got banned. All right, and Hull Breacher, let's read it so everyone's understands what's going on. Two in the blue, uh, 3-2 Merfolk Pirate with Flash. And if an opponent would draw a card, except the first one they draw in each of their draw steps, instead, you create a treasure token. So, now I understand what this card was designed to do. This deck was designed, this card was designed to protect, be a defensive card against someone who's going to go and draw a huge blue sun zenith draw like draw their whole deck or and 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 beat you that way and you can still use it you you could use you could have used it in that way however what this card became used for folks if you've ever seen this one in action was some really gross stuff right lux yeah like this is one of those cards that i have not seen in action you have not. Well, let me assure you, this doesn't get played with anything but wheels. So what would happen at a, at a table, folks, they'd slam a hull breacher and then they would wheel your hand. And what would happen is that you discard and then instead of drawing anything, your opponent draws, or sorry, draws their, their windfall or whatever the, the wheel is, and they then proceed to make a million treasures. And that million treasure allows them to like combo off and to win the game. And so it's it was like inevitably it was a precursor to the end of the game. Um, so I when I saw this one get played against me, it was you know that sort of idea. You get, you get wheeled, you you don't draw cards. They make a million mana, and then they can do any number of things: draw their deck, wheel wheel again or you know what have you and all the while piling up mana and then they fast as oracle or some other you know way to win the game so it was being used as a very offensive card instead of the defensive reactionary card to protect you from watching your opponent like blue sun zines for their whole deck and win um now it got banned all right and the band let's see if i can pull up the actual announcement by or article um by the rules committee uh where did it go let's see Okay, um, so Hullbreacher has been a problem card since its release. Uh, its ostensible defensive use against extra card draw has been dwarfed by offensively combining it with mass dropbacks to easily strip players' hands while accelerating the controller. That play pattern isn't something we want prevalent in casual play. And they and they reference the Leovold uh, Emissary Trust ban. And we've seen a lot of evidence that it is too tempting, even there, as it combines with wheels and other popular casual staples. Uh, and so they concluded that the case against the card is overwhelming. So essentially, they're trying to protect us from ourselves and uh, ban Hull Breacher 
Uh, on the same sort of grounds as Leovold got himself banned. Um, now, as you can imagine, Lux, I don't know if you read, read the internet today, um, there was a lot of mixed opinion about this, right? Yeah, because, like I said, like, all I've been seeing like, around like, Magic Twitter is like, mixed reactions. Like, some and like, really in a live the ban, and others and I think that it was the worst choice. Yeah. Um, and so some people don't like the fact that they got banned because they don't feel like the card is particularly egregious in terms of as an offender. Um, the competitive players really liked having Hellbreacher um, as a way to enable combos and to just to sort of make sure that they, they could be guaranteed to get through um, with their Thassa's Oracle or their Lab Man or whatever it is they wanted to use as their win condition. So the competitive players are, are quite upset about it. And one of the arguments I saw made was that um, the rules community has been really big on rule zero. All right? A particular playgroups don't like a particular card or a particular style of deck or whatever. They should have a conversation as part of their rule zero framework for their game and set out what sort of things they're prepared to accept and what they're not. Um, however, in this instance, we're not being given the casual players are not being given the opportunity to rule zero hull breacher out of their out of their meta instead it's being they're not doing it it's being left in it's causing problems so now the rule committee has to act and competitive players and players who are who are keen to play with hull breacher will say well why are we being punished for you know casual players who aren't prepared to have that rule zero conversation and remove Hull Breacher from their decks. Which is a fair point, don't get me wrong. Like, um, however, there's also the other side of that, that even in the best conceived situation where this is designed in the, the intended to be used in its defensive nature against a Blue Sun Zenith or a Sphinx's Rev or whatever, um, Hull Breacher is a particularly big feel bad. Right, like Lux, if you were going to be drawing cards, like let's say you 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 made your big play for the turn or on end step before your turn was to blue sun zenith for seven, and all of a sudden you can't, your opponent flashes in hull breacher. How do you feel in response to having hull breacher flashed in and you don't get your cards? Yeah, the, honestly, like if that happened to me, I basically be wanting that person out of the game big time. Yeah, it, it, it engenders a feel bad moment. And okay, you might say, well, it's part of the game, man. I'm like, well, it is, but it doesn't have to be. And so just the experience, and even though it's being used in a, in a responsible in a responsible fashion still sucks people hate that hate the experience of i'm going to draw a couple of cards you know let's say i i i you know i'm going to draw a couple of cards off you know uh the divination and the guy flashes in a hobbit like that'd be a very mild in comparison but you're still out those two cards if you've got nothing left in hand you're right you're running on fumes you need those two cards and all the wind gets taken out of your sails, and you now you're just sitting in the water, top decking. It's brutal. 
feeling. So I understand why it's been why it's come out, why it's been banned. I'm pretty okay with it. Now I also am pretty okay with it staying in the format. And so if there were people who said I wanted to play with it and wanted to rule zero it back into playing with me, I'd be pretty okay with it. Much as I'm not a big combo guy, this sort of card like combos and then like the game is over. Like you don't the combo doesn't linger. It's over in a hurry. They make a million mana, they blue sun zenith their deck, and they go find their Thassa's Oracle game over. Alright? Like, it's fast. <laughs> um, and I guess maybe I, I take my L's better than other people. Like, I just take my losses. I lose a lot of games. I'm not a... I don't pretend to be a great player. And when you play budget-friendly decks, you lose a lot more. So, you know, I take a lot of losses, so I take a lot of losses well, but... Um, you know, I'm, I'm personally feel rather ambivalent towards it. I don't feel like, am I sad that it's gone? Not a chance. I'm not disappointed. Yeah. I'm like, meh. Because yeah. it, because it, it is, it's a feel bad card. You feel bad playing it on, on somebody. And when you're the person being, having it played against you, it just feels bad. Go ahead, Lux. What do you want to throw in there? I was just going to mention that the combos and like the ones that you mentioned earlier, those are the very things yeah. that they I used to juggle hops people for those. Like doing that. Yeah, no, for sure. Like that's where, that's when if someone does it to you, and like you go and pull out something to punish them the next time because you're like that sucks. I hate I hate I hate losing that way. Um, I know in the competitive sphere. Like when you're playing much higher power level than what anything we talk about here on the show, and like let's be honest, folks. Like I was playing the other night with my with someone with one of my decks. I have like a General Tazri five color allies deck. It isn't good. I got to win. It's not a good deck. Um, I would say it's probably a six at best on a ten point scale at at best when it goes. Um, but you know, like. Those who were playing at, you know, the 8, the 9, the 10 level, 10 power level, like, they want that tool because that's how they want to win the game. They're not looking to, to crash creatures and turn them sideways. They're looking to win through other means, and Hull Breacher was a great way to get there. So, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not sad it's gone, folks. I'm sorry. Like, if anybody out there feels like they really want it in the format... I'm not going to stick up for you. I'm sorry. I don't really care that the card is gone. I'm rather ambivalent whether it's gone or not. Um, it'll disappear. And in six months, will we even remember that Hull Breacher got, got banned? I don't think so. I'm not really convinced. I mean, I know there are people out there that are being hyper hyperbolic, that are screaming that the rules committee doesn't have the best interest of the game at heart. I tend to disagree. I think that this is probably ultimately for the best. Um, because I don't know what the percentage of people out there who play high power level commander is. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people who play kind of like us, Lux. They play kind of, you know, fun, janky, trashy decks. <laughs> Would you agree? Yep. I mean, they're not trash, but I mean, they're, they're, we're not talking about these these high-powered decks that look to win very quickly out of nowhere, right? So, um, 
So no, I yeah, I'm pretty they, okay. With, oh, go ahead. As I stated previously, like I just throw cards that I uh, like playing in my decks, and sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't. Absolutely, and uh, and you know I think that's part of the appeal of the format. So you really could play whatever you want, but I know there are people out there that are dead set on playing their uh, their optimized lists with their with their you know big ticket items and do a lot of crazy stuff. But I mean I think there's a lot of people. I think and I think people like you and Ilux are probably there's more of us than 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 people want to admit. We're they're just not as vocal. I mean not all of them have a podcast that they record on a weekly basis and say, well, you know. I could take it or leave it, and with respect to, to Hullbreacher, I don't really care. So, um, but anyway, so I just I just don't think I'm particularly worried about it. And I hear the competitive players gnashing their teeth and screaming up and down that the that the rules committee doesn't you know look out for them or whatever. But I'm like, I I just I just don't I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't, I don't care. I'm sorry, folks. Not going to convince me that this card being in the format is particularly healthy for most of us. Small percentage of you want it, but I don't think it's particularly particularly salient that it has to stay. I think the form. I think there's enough cards now in, in the game that are powerful enough that people are going to be prepared to um, find other things <laughs> to play instead of this. Any other thoughts there, Lux? Yeah, no. Uh, I got, I'm pretty okay with it being being gone, folks. And I know there are people out there who are disappointed, but pretty okay with it. And they already set the like they already did it with Leovold, so it only makes sense that they you know, got rid of it. So anyway, all right. Um, moving on. We're going to move on to some Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. So what we did today, folks, is we put together a top 10 list. So I sort of figured the top 10 cards that Commander players are going to be on the look for um, when they go to, you know, if you're, you know, busting packs or you want to include things in decks or you maybe want to build some new decks, these are the cards you're going to look for. Are you ready to go, Lux? Yep. All right. Up first, we have Asmodeus the Archfiend. Asmodeus the Archfiend. Four black black legendary creature devil god. Uh, it says binding contract. If you would draw a card, exile the top card of your library face down instead. Okay. And then black 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 draw seven cards. And then black, return all cards exile with Asmodeus, the Archfiend, to their owner's hand, and you lose that much life. So, hmm. And it's a 6-6 six, six on top of that. All right, so this is interesting, their Lux, because for a couple of reasons. This says, okay, black, 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 exile the top seven cards of your library. That's what it says, all right? Because... You can't actually draw the cards. So you spend three black mana, exile seven, and then you can return them to your hand and lose seven life. So for a grand total of four mana, you could put seven cards in your hand and, and lose four life. What, is, what do we think about that? Like, how appealing would that be to you? 
And like if I was a, a mono black player, yeah, that'd be pretty appealing because you know the paying life is basically what black's all about. Yeah. No, I I, I kind of I'm really of the opinion that like this is yet a different way of trying to give us what Grizzlebrand could do without giving us Grizzlebrand itself, because Grizzlebrand was nutty putty. Um so no, I'm a kind of a big fan, but um, yeah. And the unfortunate part is, is return all cards exiled Asmodeus the Archfiend to their owner's hand, and you lose that much life. So you're not gonna, you can't get things that you exile with um, like Pixis of Pandemonium, which would have been super funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's disappointing. Um. But I still think the card's pretty good. Um, I not everybody's gonna want it, but want it. But I bet mono black decks are gonna want um, our dear friend Asmodeus, the arch, the Archfiend. Um, but yeah, no, that's kind of where we're at. I don't like the art on it particularly, but the the, the ability's good, so I guess people are gonna want to buy it. And they, I was gonna mention like I might throw this into like Deathroy because you know the the effect that he has and the fact that you know, with an green and white added, you basically have means of uh, getting that life back. <clears throat> okay, I'll agree with you, but I'm not sure a three color deck is where I want to put a card like this that is this heavily into black. Like the 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 commitment to play this in black is pretty high. Here's the issue. If Asmodeus dies, your cards are just exiled until you can find a way to get Asmodeus back. And so, sure, maybe you could do it, but there's a lot of times you just don't have that way to, to, to bring it back to your hand or back to the battlefield to, to leverage that. So, like, you might want to do it in installments, but you're also rolling the dice there that someone's going to kill this. So... I don't. I mean, I don't think it's going to go in too many multicolored decks. I think it's going to go in a in a lot of mono black decks. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts on Asmodeus. I think it's a mono black card. Oh, hey. mono black card for the most part, uh, more so than uh, in a three colored deck. Although maybe you're, maybe you could prove me wrong. Put it, stick it in Nethroy, and see what it does. Take it for a spin. What we got next? We've got uh, Orcus. Go ahead. Yeah, Orcus, Prince of Undeath. Uh, X and a 2 and a black-red legendary creature demon, 5-3. Flying and trample. When Orcus, Prince of Undeath, enters the battlefield, choose one. Each other creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn, you lose X life. Return up to X target creature cards and with total mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. They gain haste until end of turn. This is powerful. Yeah. So you can board wipe. Like this could be your board wipe if you need it. Or this is going to be your reanimation spell for a whole bunch of things. Um, folks, that's really powerful. So, um, and then on top, on top of it, it's flying and trampling. So a 5-3 flying trampler, that's pretty darn good for, you know, like, sure, it's 
you know, that axe, if you want that axe to be particularly potent, it's going to cost a lot of mana. But no, I think I think this is excellent. I think this is really really good. Um, I like the I like both of those abilities where you can choose one. Uh, yeah, no. I, I don't know what else to say really. Apart from these abilities are just really good. In a, would you want this as the commander Lux, or do you think you want to put this in a ninety nine? I mean, honestly, Nate, I feel like it couldn't have been in some synergy as a commander, but honestly, like, it just feels like another 99 card. Yeah, I think I would probably play it in the 99 more so than as the commander, although having access to this as a commander could be really cool, but I question how many times you're going to get a chance to cast this. If you put it in your command zone and it starts dying. Yeah, besides, like, if thought. you want it, like, for it to be your commander, like, it would have to do something for the entire deck. Oh, yes, but, I mean, like, if the if the goal is to reanimate your creatures and stuff, like, you could, this could be, Orcus could be allowing you to, to you know, if you sacrifice your things for value and then you use Orcus to bring them back, like, like you could be into something there, but I don't know. I don't know. I I, I like the card. I just think it's really interesting and really powerful. Uh, I like both those abilities on it. Like, what's not to like? So, Ooh. Ooh. all right. We have. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Up next, we have Circle of Dreams Druid. Do you want to do this one? Because it's kind of your like. I I think this. I think this is like a Lux card. Yeah, Circle of Dreams Druid for three green. You get a creature elf druid two one. Tap, add green, like one green for each creature you control. Why? We just got Gaia's Cradle on a creature. So, do we need to say more about why this is good? What do you think, Lux? Do we need to make a case for Gaia's Cradle anymore? Honestly, no, like, I think this one takes the cake. Yeah, I think this one's going to get played. Green decks are going to love it. Um, it's going to be, you know, Gaia's Cradle or Growing Rights of Itlamok version number two, and you're going to be happy you have it. Simple as that. All right, up next, we have Long Rest. This one's, I felt, like a, little bit, a little bit of a, a dubious one, but anyway. So, X. Green, green, green. Return X target cards with different mana values from your graveyard to your hand. If eight or more cards were returned to your hand this way, your life total becomes equal to your starting life total. Exile, long rest. Okay, so <clears throat> I kind of have the opinion that um, eight is unrealistic. I don't think you're ever getting eight cards out with this. Do you think you're ever getting eight? Well, they, if you don't want to think that's possible and it's a green card, well, then I don't know what green is anymore. Yeah. So this sort of feels like um, a combination of a couple of different cards. Um, so give me a second here. Let me pull up the alternatives to long rest. 
So, Long Rest sort of has parallels to Wildest Dreams, which is XX and green. Turn X target cards from your graveyard to your hand, and you exile Wildest Dreams. Okay? There's also uh, Seasons Past. Another one. Four green, green, return any number of cards with different converted mana costs from your graveyard to your hand, and you put Seasons Past on the bottom of its owner's library. So these all sort of three have similar abilities. Now, the reason I put this on our top 10 list, because looking at how prevalent is are these cards played already? Like, how are the... So, Seasons Past is played in 8,000 decks, which is a pretty good number. Nothing outrageous. What about Wildest Dreams? Wildest Dreams is played in... Let's have a look. Wildest Dreams is played in almost 4,000 decks. So between the two, you're playing this sort of effect, I'd say, fairly regularly. Would you agree, Lux? Pardon me, could you repeat that? I said, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, so this card is, so this sort of effect is sought after in the format. Is this card a great version of this effect? I don't think so. Um, because the triple green is sort of, is really constricting as to what decks are going to want to play this. Um, however, however, I could see this getting played. Um, and I think there are going to be enough decks looking to do have this sort of effect um, on hand that I think is going to be I would expect this is probably easier to cast than a Wildest Dreams, even though Wildest Dreams is a single, a single green and could be, could be a regrowth. Um, but I think this sort of card is potentially easier to cast, I think, because you only have the single X. And so if you're going to make this be... In the best case scenario, which is why you, where you're ultimately deciding which one of these you run over the other, um, like Wildest Dreams versus um, Long Rest, how many cards do you have to regrow from your graveyard with Wildest Dreams before you're happy? And I'm sort of guessing you probably want to do three, which means you're getting, you're spending seven mana. Well, if I'm spending seven mana with a longs for longs rest for, for for long rest, I'm getting I'm getting probably like at least three cards, a one drop, a two drop, a three drop, a four drop, or at least a three a two three four out of my graveyard. I don't. Know, I feel like that's a, pretty much a wash. I like it, um, and so I'm kind of in the opinion that I think this is going to get played fairly regularly. Um, I think Seasons Past is the better option of the three of these cards. But I think Long Rest is going to appeal to enough people that people are going to try it and are going to see that it's actually not too bad to play. Thoughts? Yeah, you try it out. Yeah, you, I, I can imagine you trying it out and seeing if it works and seeing if you like it, right? So that's, and really at the end of the day, that's yeah. all you can ask for, right? Yep. So, all right.
Well, what if uh, the next one? Do you want me to do the next one too, or do you want to do it? And I'll do it. Next up, we have Rogue okay, Class. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Next up, we have Rogue Class for blue and a black. And enchantment, they we have a new type of a psychic card. It's called Class. Getting the next level as a sorcery to add to it to add its ability. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of that player's library face down. You may look at it for as long as it remains exiled. Then level two, they one blue black. Creatures you control have menace. Level three, two in a blue black. You may play cards exiled with rogue class, and you may spend mana as though it were any mana of any color to cast those spells. Okay. I put this on this list because, folks, A, rogues is a thing. Like, we, we build a Zareth sand deck for the 31 Days of Christmas, and this would have gone in it absolutely. Yeah. Because rogues are looking to play, and I think lots of blue-black decks are looking to play evasive creatures. So, let's have a quick look at a blue-black commander. So, let's look at Demir. Alright, so let's have a little peek. Let's look at... Oh, like Ninjutsu would be one, for instance. Um, what else we got? We have... Um, let's see. Anawan is another one. Like, Anawan's pretty popular. Um, Una, like fairies. Fairies would be good. But this... There's a lot of, there's a lot of different things you can do. Like, different tribes or or just creatures that are evasive in blue and black that rogue class is going to be good all right and this just makes them better because now you're exiling cards off the top of their library which is a, a mill sort of and then very quickly you can give them menace or as we say in the business menace um and then you can play cards exile with rose class for the level three and that is that's silly like if you get a couple of creatures that um that deal damage because they're flyers and can can crush for a little bit of damage you exile cards and since they were they couldn't even block because they had menace anyway and then you pay for you know level three and be able to use rose class you know as a is it you know it's the end of the road sort of deal um yeah no i just think the card is really good and it's like it comes down really early really aggressively at two mana that's what a rogue deck wants to do it wants to get things down when it makes it makes it hard to block and then it wants to leverage you know that early blocking into some sort of advantage this is going to give you cards so um i think it's it's excellent any uh, any thoughts on your part there lux And honestly, this is one of the cards actually itching to try out, and it's a Demir card. Yeah, so you know, like if you're not a if you're not an, an Abzan player, there there is a portion of you that is a Demir player at heart, and uh, this card would appeal to you, I think. Um, you know, you, you could put it in like one of those like a surveil style deck where you're playing with like like spy like the Demir Spybug and Evasive Flyers. You could use a Trotta. There's a lot of things that like that Rogue class can enable. Um, but I really like that level two with to give your creatures menace. Like 
It wasn't like blue-black creatures needed to be more evasive to be good. But now the fact they have menace makes them extra good and hard to deal with. All right. Any other thoughts, or should we move on to the next card? Let's move on. All right. Let's look on. Next card, we have Teleportation Circle. So three and a white for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end, st end step, exile up to one target artifact or creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Okay, this is Conjurer's Closet. Just not called Conjurer's Closet. And in white. Let's have a look how many decks Conjurer's Closet is in. Well, first of all, let's look at the card. So Conjurer's Closet is five generic. It's an artifact. At the beginning of your end step, you may exile target creature you control and return that card to the battlefield under your control. So they literally gave us almost word for word the same text box on um, teleportation circle as we got uh, on conjurer's closet like so that alone is good conjurer's closet is almost a five dollar card so teleportation whatever it's called teleportation circle is good how many decks is conjurer's closet in Have a look. Okay, let's see. Uh, so, Gonti, Cardur, no, maybe not. Um, Illyrios, where's the first white one? Ah, Rune. Okay, we can go in Rune. We can go in Ishai, uh, Ojutai, Dragon Speaker, and Iktak, Salvage Splicer. Well, it goes with Ishai, Negan. Lavinia, Yarok, goes on a lot of decks, and I think just think that flexibility, that the power of blinking things, and I think it's going to be um, people are going to play it. They're going to play it a lot, and they're going to blink all all sorts of things with it. Lux, any thoughts? Yeah, not really. Like it's it's a pretty simple card. We've already seen this effect before, and the effect is good. Conjurer's Closets is in um, seventeen thousand decks. So this is not going to be in that many decks because it's white instead of being an artifact. But let's say it fits in eight thousand decks. Ish. It's going to be good. So people are going to want to play it. And that's that. <laughs> All right, up next, what do you got? Next, we have an Volo uh, Guide to Monsters and two green blue legendary creature, human wizard, three two. Whenever you cast a creature spell that doesn't share a creature type with a creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, copy that spell. <laughs> this card is nuts. I don't know how they didn't notice, like, the, they put this one. This thing... Okay, folks, it doubles your stuff. It doubles your stuff. So, who wants to play Let's Double the Hoof? Because <laughs> at the top end of the spectrum here, you're in green, you can double the Creator Hoof Behemoth. 
because it is not legendary. Now, you do run into a problem here that you, it, if it's a the creature's got to be um, a non-legendary creature. So all those big fatties that think that if you don't want to play uh, Crater Hoof, you want to play uh, Andre's Forerunners, or you want to run Decimator Provinces, you can do it. But on down the line, like you play a Reclamation Sage. Let's call that like the bottom of the totem pole. Like we got Crater Hoof by him at the top. At the bottom, we've got Reclamation Sage. Well, you're making a copy of Reclamation Sage. So what are you doing, Lux? You're killing two, right? Yep. So Volo represents a lot of on-field tricks and a lot of on-field deception. Um that you can you can do with your creatures like, as, if Simic, copy stuff. Like, as if Simic didn't need to be more of a threat exactly like I mean like they need another awesome commander this is going to be awesome like this is going to be a great deck um I've already seen this get played in brawl it's a problem in brawl um it's going to be um, now just can imagine what people can do with a much larger card pool and everyone's going to be sitting up taking notice of this one. And I'm going to say, say what, three months? Everyone's going sit, to sit up and say, damn. Yeah. Should have seen that one coming. This thing yeah, is just like, silly. At, like at my LGS, like we basically have this role that if someone's coming to the table with a Civic deck, odds are they're going to be the biggest threat at the table to you. You know what? The track record speaks for itself. Like Simic has got a lot of nutty things in well, at least in the duration we've been doing this podcast, Lux. Like they've had so many treats and awesome cards given to them. And here's got another cool card. Now, like it's cool. I'm excited. <laughs> but come on, like the deck is gonna be ETG triggers everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, because like I know we've like, talked about the like, proper th- assessment before, but they honestly, it's Simic, and they, they what else is going to be a, the bigger threat? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot, I mean, there are some older Simic commanders that are not nearly as terrifying. I'm not. I mean, there would have been I would have been taking the prime speakers gone. I'm not anymore. Like, I feel like there's so many superior blue and green commanders that. You know, Prime Speakers of Ghana doesn't do much for me, but this guy, this guy is unmistakable. Like this card is great. Yeah. So, way to go, Volo! Way to go, Wizards! You did it again. More Simic nonsense. Um, is this is this me or you up next? This is you. Okay. Perfect. Um, so this is Kalein, Reclusive Painter. Uh, black and a red for a legendary creature, human elf bard. And it's a 1-2. And when Kalein, Reclusive Painter, enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. And then other creatures you control enter the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on them for each mana from a treasure spent to cast them. So this goes in a black-red treasure deck. And Kalein 
um, is pretty well just anthony up your creatures. Any thoughts? Like this, this like they oversimplify this. And no, they honestly they with the past the the few sets that we've had, they I've come to expect this kind of stuff from Rakdos. I have not. I have not said generally associated uh, Rakdos with the treasures. However, this is the sort of treasure effect that I'm interested in and would be excited to play. So, but I'm gonna little little spoiler, folks. We're not gonna go too much more into Colleen because I'm gonna talk about it when we get to the the deck that's been brewed up. All right, go for it. We got oh boy, old Nawbone. Go ahead. Let me pull him up. Oh, this card. Oh, this card. Okay. We got Old Knobbone, like five green green legendary creature dragon, seven seven with flying. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, create that many treasure tokens. Whenever a creature, not this creature, a creature, deals combat damage. So, um,. Wait, that that's nuts. Yeah. So I, I know people are going to say, well, Bruce, it's seven mana. It's going to die to everything. I'm like, you're right. It is seven mana. You're right. It's probably going to die. But you can keep this on the battlefield. Think of all the treasure locks. Think of yeah. it all. And you want to give this thing haste. You play this in a gruel deck. There are so many ways to give this haste. Whether it's you're playing the new red planeswalker from the set. I've forgotten what her name is. Uh, let me go and pull her up. Where did she go? I don't want that. Mm-hmm. This is what we call stellar podcasting, where I can't find what I'm looking for. <laughs> All right. Quality uh, content, people. Yes! This is why you came to pay the big bucks for me. Yes! All right. Uh, sort by red. Let's go rarity. I want. It is. This is where to go. Azariel, Archduke of Avernus. Where her plus one is give your creatures plus one plus oh and gains haste. So, like, uh, Zariel or a Fires of Yavamaya or, or the, the one from Ravnica Allegiance, that the gruel one that I can see that I can't remember the name for. Um, all these cards that give their things haste, Crashing Drawbridge. And now you're going to give Old Gnawbone um, haste, and Old Gnawbone is going to wreck, wreck face make you a pile of mana uh, in form of treasures, and you're just going to be off to the races. And that's how it's going to go. <laughs> Any and thoughts, they, Lord? Honestly, they, I'm speaking as a green player. They, they, I like the card, but I don't think we actually needed this card. Like, I don't think green needed no. this kind of effect. No, but it got it. And like this could be like any card 
that deals damn any creature that deals combat damage to somebody. So you could be attacking with that questing beast or that Ulamog or that whatever. Something with trample and like and you could draw piles of cards. Piles. Yep. So, so much treasure. So much treasure. All right. La is it me last or is it you? Yeah, then you're I last. Okay, so I put this one on here, folks, for a entirely different reason. So this is a this is Loyal Warhound. Um, one and a white for a 3-1 dog with vigilance. But here's why. When Loyal Warhound enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more lands than you, search your library for a basic planes card and put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. This is Knight of the White Orchid, just done in a way that's easier to cast, because instead of being white-white, this is one and a white. And that's really good. That's really good. It's not exciting. It's not flashy. It's not going to, whoa, look what that did. I want to win the game. But, like, going to go find the planes, put it in, into the, onto the battlefield is always big game. And White loves it when they can do it. Yep. Pretty simple. So, yeah. This like it's good to see like white start getting the, the things that it's actually been needing these past couple of years. Well, the ramp's the big one. Like and so anyway, like yeah. I was literally having a conversation today with somebody who was building a Boros deck, and their curve was really high because they're going all the way up to Avison uh, Archangel. No, Avison Angel of Hope, which is the big one from um, Avison Restored. And so you're talking like an eight mana angel in a Boros deck. This is like, it doesn't work, does it? You need this loyal warhound to help you dig up some of that land so that you can, yeah. you know, make use of, you know, like these big cards that are in your, at the top of your curve. So, anyway. I like this loyal warhound. It's not hard to use. It's not complicated. Um, yeah. No, I just think it's good. <laughs> Any any last thoughts on Loyal Warhound or Lux? Eh, no. No. I think the card is gonna get I think the card's gonna get a lot of play. Um more than some of these other cards that even if you know they're the the cards are um where were they with that one? Okay, so we yeah, like not it's not an exciting card, some of these other cards that are more exciting by far, but Fact remains, this is a sort of utility card that you know every white deck wants, and is going to get a lot of play. All right, any last thoughts on any of these cards or locks that you wanted to comment on? Yeah, no, and I've said everything that I've needed to say. Well, so here's my so how do you feel now? Because last week when we did this, we kind of like dumped all over the mythics. Would you agree? Yeah. How do you feel now after after seeing these cards, which are eminently more playable? And they, these are the ones that, and I'm actually looking forward to. And then, I might do a draft to see if I can get any of these cards because some of them, like I'm not going to be paying that much money for just one card. Well, I think what we're going to see is that these cards are going to crater pretty hard, my friend. Like I know the pre pre release prices are high. But I don't think these cards are actually the prices that you're seeing displayed. 
Um, I don't think the only reason they are is because you can't actually get your hands on them very easily right now. So they're being pre-sold high. But um, let's just go have a quick look um, at what um, MH2 has done uh, as a set. Because it, it was also notorious for having a very high, um, I guess for lack of a better word, uh, price tag associated with cards and the cards are like in the process of you know pretty much crashing i won sort by uh, yeah yeah so you know in modern horizons 2 right now there are three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen cards above fifteen dollars and the vast majority have seen their price drop significantly. Like, a lot. So, I would expect that a standard legal set probably going to get open comparably. And we're going to be talking about, you know, a big old drop-off of... I, I agree with you trying to do a draft, but I mean, if you like, I'll be buying them in, you know, before the end of the summer, for sure. If you want to buy them, buy them before the end of the summer. All right, let's have a look at our deck this week. Cool? Yep. All right, so this week we're talking Kalein Reclusive Painter. And this one really got my attention because, and I don't know if you remember Lux, but a couple of months ago, I was really, really big into playing treasure decks. Things that are looking to leverage treasures um, far more than they're looking to leverage actual mana rocks. Remember that sort of like, but I always did it with yep. white, like blue, red, uh, red, white decks, right? So now yeah. we've got a really good payoff in, in black and red, right? Yep. And aggressively aggressively costed and people forget that that treasure that comes in with Kalein is a form of ramp your commander has a form of ramp attached to her that's big like that's a really powerful effect so you almost always have access to ramp if you need it right lux So, um, and then you can use those treasures that you've ramped to help pump your creatures and make them harder to block. So, let's see, what do we got? Four creatures. Um, we have an academy manufacturer. Interesting, because if you would create a clue, a food, or a treasure token, instead create one of each. So this deck is going to create a bunch of, bunch of treasure tokens but now, if you can get Academy uh, Manufacturer on the board, you're going to get the opportunity to, you know, reap far more than just um, a bunch of treasures. It's going to get you clues and, you know, really everything you ever wanted. So, um, Axar Cavalry gives things haste, Backdraft Hellkite. So, part of this is if you're ramping with Colleen or some of these other treasure makers that are out here, what are you going to do with with all that mana and kind of i came up with the solution I was like well i'm just gonna play some daggerons i'll play some real big daggerons 
Uh, Blood Aspirant is going to be a very powerful, a very powerful effect. Um, I had hoped to see him back, but guess not. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we're playing dragons, and we're playing Blood Aspirants, and we're playing more dragons and more treasure makers. So Captain Lannery Storm is a treasure maker. Um, you get oh, where they are. No, Gadrak likes treasures. Ah, Goldspan Dragon is another one that makes treasures. Um, Hagar Constrictor. Seems okay. Okay, Charger Hooker Tyrant. Iron, uh, ha hired Hexblade. And on down the list, right? So all the creatures are... Um, going to make treasures, or they're dragons, or every once in a while you get a marion ma marionette master, which is uh, a fun way to deal a whole whack of damage to people. Um, and a mayhem devil and things of that nature. So pretty funny stuff. Um, the, oh, some neat cards. So Zorn. So Zorn's an interesting one. So if you create one or more treasure tokens, instead create those tokens plus an additional treasure token that's actually pretty pretty cool i have to say still still storm kill artist is another one too that can be funny um the oh sorcering um let's see anything else the other thing that comes along with this is oh oh yes how how to make treasures so we have some ways of making treasures with things like Feed the Swarm, Heartless Pillage, uh, Pirate's Pillage, Seize the Spoils. Oh, sorry, Feed the Swarm doesn't make tokens. It, it's removal. Um, Taste of Death is an interesting one because it makes food tokens. But anyway, and then Trash or, tra trash or Treasure. Um, the, the Sorceries, yeah, pretty good. And then we get into our artifacts. Oh, I forgot two things. Um, well, folks, Indomitable Creativity is pretty cool. So if you've made a bunch of treasure tokens, Indomitable Creativity, um, destroy X target artifacts and or creatures for each permanent destroy this way. Its controller reveals cards from the top of his or her library until an artifact or creature card is revealed and exiles the card, that card. Those players put the exile cards onto the battlefield and shuffle their libraries. So this is a pretty powerful way to tutor up stuff. And so I couldn't say no to free to free. <laughs> and then uh, Windfalls, another one. I think that's everything. Locked. Any thoughts on the deck? And that's pretty cool. I think I think I I like the idea of the treasure decks. For whatever reason, there's something about treasure that appeals to me, and uh, this is no exception. So I really like the treasure decks. Um, Goldspan Dragon is probably your MVP in this deck, folks. Um, you use any treasures you have lying around. Pump up your your dragon. Make it a five-five or six-six, six, and get them, and make more treasures, and just recycle. So, anyway, yeah, that's the deck. Seems pretty cool, doesn't it? 
Seems fun. Yeah. I like it. And the best part is price tags under 150 bucks. To be honest, folks, like you're playing Goldspan Dragon, it's expensive. You're playing. What was you playing? Pitiless Plunderer. Who knew Pitiless Plunderer was going to be that expensive? A $12 uncommon. And then Utavra Hellkite is just. Udvara is just good. It's a good card. Those three right there account for a large percentage of. of Anyway, should we move to wrap up, Lux? Yep. All right. So that's going to bring this week's show to a close. I want to thank everybody for taking the time to stop in and joining us. Uh, if you want to leave us some feedback, we'd love, love to hear from you and see what you have to say, offer any ideas you've got. Can I? Can you make Colleen uh, a better deck? Are there anything we missed about the Hull Breacher discussion? Was there something on the, the top 10 that you didn't agree with? We'd love to, for you to let us know, but you got to reach out to us. So uh, if you want to reach out to us on uh, our Twitter, it is at EpicExpCast. That is our Twitter. It'll be in the show notes down below. You can email us at theepicexperimentpodcast at gmail.com. Um, of course, if you like, the, you want to see the Colleen deck up close and personal, and but you're not, too, you know, you're not too sure where to look, go to moxfield.com and use the username, the Epic Experiment Podcast, um, and you can find this week's list, last week's list, and any other lists this, that we've ever produced have all been on Moxfield, so you can check them out. Um, but yeah. Um, as always, folks, regardless of how you're listening to us, whether you are on Google Play, Podcast, uh, Podbean, uh, iTunes, whether you're just listening to us through the LotusCouncil.com or now on Spotify or Amazon, um, we would really appreciate if you guys could like, follow, comment, subscribe, whatever, interact with us on social media. Um, and, you know, once, once, you know, you're doing that, we can talk about other stuff. So. All right. Uh, anything else? I think that's it. Anyway, we'd love to hear from you folks. Uh, next week, we are, are aiming to have our judge come on. We'll see if Judge Chris can join us or not. That's the hope. I've uh, reached out, and if not, we'll try and get another judge, and hopefully we can get somebody to come in and talk rules, uh, interpretations for uh, the aforementioned Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. But that isn't for another week. So until then, this is the Epic Experiment, po- Epic Experiment Podcast signing off, wishing you all the best wherever you next play Magic. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon.